Hey everybody, it's Tim. Welcome or welcome back to the LOH Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and our YouTube channel where you can access all of our message content. Most importantly, I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Good morning, LOH. We are so glad to be here. I'm coming home. Truly. I was, um, I'm a missionary kid. My parents were missionaries in Africa for 41 years. And um, when we would come home on furlough, we would come here to Cumberland. I went to school with Donna Briner. We were in first and second grade together. (laughs) So it is really, really nice to be here. Um, Like I said, I was raised in uh, Ghana, West Africa. And um, then the Lord placed a missionary call on Pat in my life. And uh, we went to Africa first. We were there for 18 years in Cameroon and Botswana. That's where we raised the kids. <laughs> if you ask our kids now, where's home? They'll say we're African and, and Botswana and Africa is our home. And, um, and then the Lord, as he would have it, sent us to Greece, Athens, Greece, where we were ministering at an international church. But then that was the time when um, the explosion of uh, refugees came from Syria and Iraq. And we started to get involved with that. We saw hundreds, and I'm saying hundreds, very conservatively, of Muslims give their hearts to the Lord. It it was an amazing time in our lives. We had people, missionaries come to us who have been in the Middle East, undercover, of course, and they would say to us, you do not know what you've got going on here. They said, we have had Assemblies of God missionaries in, in um, these places, Syria, Iraq, some of these places, undercover, and they said um, some of them have been there 30 years and never saw one person come to Jesus. And you guys are seeing it, and we were seeing it every day. We would have people come in and say, we're done with Islam. We're sick of it. They're killing, they're just killing us. We're Muslims too, and they're killing our brothers. Now tell us about Jesus. How easy is that? They're coming to you asking you about Jesus. And so that's exactly what we did, and we got very involved with that. And then as um, things would have it, and I can't go into those kinds of things, but the Lord moved us to Padova, Italy. And we are pastoring an international church there in Padova, full of about uh, 25 different nationalities. And um, we have them from Africa. Who knew? Come on. We have them from Africa. We have them from Cuba. Imagine. We've got them from all over the world, Albania, uh, Serbia, you name it. They're there. And um, we are enjoying our time with them uh, we miss them. We are home for three months. We will be back uh, December 1st. Um, so we've, um, our, our, our time is already half gone. So anyway, I wanted to leave a verse with you this morning. We thank our God every time we remember you. In all our prayers for all of you, we always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Partnership, that's us. That's us. We're, we're a team. Pat was telling your pastor this morning, you guys, this church has been on board with us for 29 years. Amen. <laughs> Clap for yourself. It's, it's, when we first went into missions, we had to raise $500 first before we could let our church go and go into uh, itineration full-time. And you guys were one of the first that joined us. And we are so very thankful. I just want you to know that you, 
when missionaries come, they ask you to pray for them. But I just want you to know that when I get my statement every month of monthly giving, and I look down that statement, I pray for you too. You don't just pray for us. We pray for you. We pray for the Holy Spirit to move in your church. We pray for growth spiritually. We ask the Lord that he would bless each church that supports us. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for being team members with us. We really, really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, buongiorno tutti voi. Hello, good morning to each of you. We're so glad to be with you. And uh, my wife has, has pretty much summed it up. We're so grateful to be here at LOH and with your, your great pastor. He, he's such a great teacher of the word. Um, when we were locked down, we were in four hard lockdowns in Italy. You know, that's where it started. We went from Wuhan to northern Italy. And uh, Franklin Graham was just there the past couple days visiting the same area with Samaritan's Purse that they had, they had been such a blessing to Italy during the time they had field hospitals put up everywhere and um, can't say enough about his ministry. But I watched, uh, I watched your church a lot online because my wife and I were separated for three and a half months during that first lockdown. Uh, she went to a baby shower in Greece, it was our first grandchild. I thought I would be there, and uh, things locked down overnight, and she was stuck. And uh, three and a half months, uh, we were separated. Uh, I started uh, my own uh, cooking program on YouTube. Um, you know, you can only pray and fast so long, and then I, I found myself, you know, just trying to be, you know, stay occupied and. Uh, you know, somebody asked, well, did you put on a lot of weight? Well, I put on about 10 pounds. I was trying to exercise, running up and down stairs and stuff. We could not go out. Our lockdown was a little bit different from yours. Um, you could go to Lowe's and do home improvement and all that kind of stuff. Um, we had to stay inside the house because we had, some places they had drones watching and they were tracking our cell phones. If you were caught outside, it was, it was a $1,500 fine. And, uh, and you would pay it. And so, uh, yeah, things were a little bit different. We had three other lockdowns that lasted two months each after that. And so um, God saw us through. The church is doing well. It's back on its feet. We're moving. Uh, all of our ministries are back up and running. We're thankful for that. Um, ICF Padova is located in northern Italy. It's about 20 minutes from Venice. Any of you know where Venice is or heard of it? Okay, I know it's, it's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it, right? Um, we don't go there very often, but uh, it is very easy to get there. And I know that a lot of people will be asking me after the service, can we come visit you? And, uh, but, um, but anyway, Padova is about a town of about 140,000 people, of which 60,000 of those are students. Students from around the world that attend the renowned university, University of Padova, was home to a man by the name of Galileo Galilei. And he was a professor there for almost 20 years. In fact, he says of Padova, he says those were the best times of his life. Our university attracts uh, students from around the world. I literally mean they're coming from India, all parts of Africa, and we... When, when God sent us there, I walked those streets and I told my wife, this is our target group. I mean, the university is our target group. And, and the church is almost 25 years old next year, but, but they have never targeted the university. And Brenda and I, I know we don't look it, but I mean, we are kind of old, getting old. And, uh, but we've got some people helping us in that area. But we love our students. We love them. Some of them are with us just for a short time, and uh, we just embrace them for the time that we have. We get them from everywhere. They're, some are not even Christian. They come in, and you know what? They get Jesus. I'm going to tell you a little bit about one of those. Um, 
But we've had Hindus, we've had Buddhists, we've had, we've had Muslims come in and check us out. And uh, we, we just love everyone that comes through our doors. We have a Tuesday night meeting. And, uh, and then on Sunday, a lot of these people, these kids will come right back for our service to hear the Word of God. And so we're so grateful for that opportunity uh, to be pastoring and, and to be uh, ministering uh, <clears throat> in that capacity. God has been good to us and you have been faithful. This church is always one of the faithful. I can always count on you. When, I, when there's a need, I can always call on your pastor, and he's always there to support us and what we're doing. And so thank you from the bottom of our hearts uh, for, for just praying for us and for giving to your missions program here at this local church. Um, we are a product, and not only us. I've mentioned your pastor. Not only has this church invested in my family, but now... The generations have continued. My daughter and son-in-law, they have taken the, our old church where we had to leave in Athens, Greece. They are missionaries, AG missionaries, full appointed AG missionaries in Athens. And, uh, you know, our son is praying about it as well. Um, he's really seeking God's uh, voice on, on that, uh, on, in that area. And so God has really put within our hearts missions and reaching the world. You know what? We're living in the last days, folks. We are living in a day where, where we need to be telling people about Christ. And I mean, we need to be loving one another, not arguing. We need to be loving each other, loving people into the church, into the body of Christ. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 21. I'm reading verses 10 through 12. And this, uh, this pad here, it feels like a trampoline. You know, I feel like I'm going to just bounce right off of this stage. But Acts 21, verses 10 through 12. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews of Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now, when we heard these things, both we and those from this, that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Father, I pray that you would bless the word. I ask God that as I preach that it would flow freely, that, that I would have uh, your creative thoughts, Lord, go through my mind and through my voice. I pray, Father, that it would find its place deep in the hearts of the hearers today. And I pray, God, that it would drive us, it would challenge us, Lord God, to do more for you to reach out, Lord God, and, and, and just uh, understand your voice and what you have for our lives. God, we thank you. We ask your blessings now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to tell you, you know, I, I preach a little better if I get a little feedback. So um, I'm just letting you know that in advance. I know that you guys are a friendly crew. Um, I sensed it when I came through the doors. But, you know, when we think about Flow, uh, following the plan of God and, and what the Holy Spirit has instructed us to do, there, there should never be any doubt or wavering. In fact, when we look at Paul and the life of the Apostle Paul, on the end of his third missionary journey, he passed through the Greek islands, and we know that he finally reached the house of Philip in Caesarea. And it was here that Agabus, this man, this prophet, and several other prophets came down from Jerusalem to meet him in Syrian Antioch, where he was doing ministry. And he had a message for the Apostle Paul. Now, I want you to understand right here that following the Holy Spirit's guidance requires a great sensitivity and a willingness to hear and obey the will of God. When we look back at Acts chapter 20, we see the beginning of Paul's determination to go to Jerusalem, to minister to his own people. You know, my question for us, the church today, is what is the Holy Spirit saying to you personally? What is he saying to the church today concerning his plan? What is he saying to, to us in these last days? What is, our, what is our mission? What is our focus? You know, if we are seeking the mind and the heart and the will of Christ, I know that, and I know that you are, he's going to call you to do 
a lot of things. He's going to call you to places that you never dreamed of going. And when, when I met my wife back in, in Bible school, I can tell you that I had no aspirations of going on the mission field. That was the farthest thing from my mind. In fact, when we met, I asked her, I said, do you, do you uh, think that you're going to go back to Africa? She said, no. She said, I, did my, I paid my dues. And uh, liar, you know, and uh, no, that's strong. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, really, I mean, she had no idea. She, she didn't know. But you know what? God spoke to us at the same time. And that's how he's done every, every phase of our ministry in our life, our, our 37 and a half uh, years of marriage. God has spoken to us at the same time, and we have moved with the presence of the Holy Spirit. This morning, I want you to know that wherever God sends you, it's going to involve souls. Whatever you do for the kingdom of God, you need to understand your first priority, your mission is souls. It's to reach people with the gospel. And you can do that easily through your life. You see, your life is the biggest Bible that you'll ever preach. The way you live your life, that speaks more than any words that you can say. You can sit there and babble and babble and babble. And if your life doesn't measure up, it means nothing. It's hypocrisy. But the one thing I want, you to, I want to tell you this morning is that we need to be a people that listen to what God is saying to us. You see, so many times we, just like the Apostle Paul, he, he was listening. He knew the voice of God. But so many times today, we as the church, it's so easy to just come to church. We listen to the pastor. We listen, we listen to maybe a sermon on, online or whatever. But we don't spend time in the Word of God ourselves. We don't spend time alone with Jesus. We don't allow Him to speak to us through His Word. And you know, that's where He speaks. That is where we're going to know His will, is waiting before His feet. And we know that Acts chapter 21 and verses 12 through 14, it says, When we heard this, we and the people were, ple were pleading with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up. They gave up. They said, the Lord's will be done. The Lord's will be done. How many of you know when, when God calls you to do something, we need to be, I mean, we need to be bent on doing it. I mean, no matter what, who is, there's always going to be people try and talk you out of it. But we have to be people that are going to follow the word, the words of God, follow the Holy Spirit's leading. Because I want you to know this morning, more than anything else, I want you to know that God speaks to you. Did you hear me? He's not just speaking through your pastor. God speaks to you as an individual. If you will spend some time and you will listen, God is speaking. Open your Bible. Do, do spend more time and, and don't just, you know, doing your devotions is more than just pulling one of those little scripture cards for the day. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's waiting on God. Spend at least 30, 45 minutes, you know, reading your Bible every day. My wife knows that I'm up early in the morning when we're in Italy. Now, I, since we've been back in the States traveling for two solid months, somebody asked the other day, where, do you, where are you living now? I said, in my car, literally, <laughs> literally in my car. If you go out in the parking lot, my wardrobe's hanging in the car. And uh, we have gone from place to place, bed to bed, and it's been very, very tiring. You know, when you get our age, it, it, we're, not, it's, we're not meant for this. You know, we, we just need people to give support us so we can stay there and do the job. You know what I'm saying? And, and send you a video once in a while and you know what we're doing. And you, this church trusts us. Thank you so much for that. But I want you to know God speaks to you. God speaks to you. My, my son comes to me and he, he tells me he's in ministry eight years. He's a youth pastor in Florida. And he says to me, he said, Pop, what do you think about this? He said, he said I've been praying about that. But, and I said, you know what? You do. what God, I believe that God speaks to you. You don't need to know what I believe. God speaks to you. You just follow his voice. I've often been amazed by those who have put more effort knowing what God is saying through someone else rather than what God is saying to them personally. 
I mean, we, I've been chased. I, I, I preached crusades in Africa, and I've been chased out the door by people and say, saying, Pastor, boy, you have a word for me? Did God tell you anything about me? Um, were you not listening inside? You know, I, I, honestly, here's the deal. I'm not saying that, that prophets and godly people cannot be used in revealing things to us, but what, what they tell us personally should be in confirmation of what God has already told you. When somebody comes to you and says, I, God is telling me to tell you this. You know what it happened to me a month ago? And I say, thank you. That's what I say. I don't know what you want me to do. Clap, do jumping jacks, what? I, I, I say, thank, thank you. Thank you for that. I'll take that to heart. I, there's nothing more I can do. If God hasn't spoken to me personally, uh, then it means nothing. It just falls on, on dead ground. And, and now, now here's the deal. When God is already speaking to me about something, and somebody comes up and says, thus says the Lord, I say, oh my word, God is really, God's pointing me in the right direction. God is telling me to do this. You know, Paul was warned against going to Jerusalem several times. But his heart for the Jewish people was so strong that he insisted on doing it anyway saying that he was ready to die if necessary. What some think to be a mistake in Paul's judgment can also be seen as a lack of faith on the part of others. Listen, think about that. A lot of times people look at what you're doing for God and they think it's crazy because you're taking this great leap of faith. And you know, i got to admit, I mean, I've seen people take some crazy leaps and I'm, I'm scratching my head and I'm saying, well, you go with God, man. I mean, if that's what God's telling you to do, he's going to prosper you. He's going to make a way for you. And, and, uh, and, and at the same time, you know, we just need to know as we listen to what God is saying, that God is always going to bless He's going to go before us. He's going to, he's going to straighten every crook, crooked path. He's going to clear every obstacle out of your way. Now, that, I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but you know what? Sometimes he can send us across some bumpy paths, too. You know, just because he's, he's uh, you know, in this doesn't mean it's always going to be smooth sailing. But along this journey, we need to be aware that as we are following the voice of God, that there are imposters that we have to confront from time to time. I'm talking about imposters within the body of Christ. There, in, in, in 1 Kings chapter 13, it gives an account of an imposter who was an old prophet in whom that the Spirit of God had once, I mean, he, was, he existed in him at one time, but the, the Spirit of God had long departed. And the chapter begins telling of a young prophet, a young unnamed prophet who came from Judah to go to Bethel. God was sending him to Bethel. And the one thing the Lord instructed this young man to do is that he was to go to the king, King Jeroboam. He was going to go there, cry out against him, give the word of God that he's telling him to give to King Jeroboam. And, he's told, and he specifically said, do not eat any bread, do not drink any water. And he said, go back a different way. Come back home a different way than the path that you took to come. So he was faithful. He did that. He went to King Jeroboam. He did everything God had told him to do. He cried out against this altar that, that King Jeroboam had set up. And his priest, the priest of King Jeroboam, was, was making incense of worship to the king. The priests were making incense to the king, not God. And this young, this young pastor, this young prophet came in and cried out against this altar. And immediately that altar split in half. The ashes fell beneath the altar. Now this angered the king. I mean, they're in this worship service. Can you imagine being in this great worship service and, and everybody there in Bethel, they're thinking, wow, what a powerful presence, you know, the, the smoke of God and, and all of this is happening. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this young guy comes in, cries out, this happens. Well, King Jeroboam raised his hand against the young prophet and, and, and told his guards, arrest this guy. 
And at that very moment, the king's hand withered. That got the king's attention. It got, got the attention of everybody in that place. I want, want you to know, when you're doing what God has instructed you to do, you're following his voice, you're doing what you're supposed to do, that the power and protection of the Holy Spirit is always going to reside with you. He's always going to be with you. He's going to protect you. He's going to be your front and rear guard. He's always there. And so this is all happening. And all of a sudden, King Jeroboam, withered hand, he starts crying, please, please heal me. Make, make, it, make it go away. Make it go away. Put it back the way it was. You know, that kind of thing. And just like that, that young prophet, he, you know, raised his hand, healed him. Then King Jeroboam said, I want, I, want you, I want to reward you. I want you to come and rest at the palace. Come, to, come and just, you know, take something to eat and, and rest. And, uh, you know, it was interesting because this young, this young prophet, he, 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 he wasn't supposed to eat anything. He wasn't supposed to, you know, fraternize. He was, he was in a place that was desecrated. He was there to, to do a mission. And he went there, and after the king brought all this up and wanted him to come home, that young man, he told the king, I mean, his boldness was in, in, incredible. He told the king, he says, king, he says, I've been told I can't eat, I can't drink. Even if you were to give me half of your household, I would not come back with you. Now, during that whole time, there were a lot of spectators, and among them were the sons of this old prophet, they witnessed everything. They, I mean, every, every little thing, the, the, the withered hand, the healing, everything. And so they went back and they told their daddy. They told the old prophet, the old washed out prophet. He was home. And so they went back, told him the whole story. And this old man, he's hearing the story and he's gra grabbing his cloak. He's getting everything together, saddles his donkey and out the road, out the door, uh, riding after trying to find this young prophet. Well, he meets up with him down the, down the road. He finds him, you know, sitting under a tree. And, uh, you know, it was, it was uh, one of those engagements like, you know, when you, meet, when you meet somebody who has preceded you, 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 you know, doing the same ministry, you, you want to show respect. You want to be respectful of, I mean, right now we're getting up and, and, and you know, when, when young people, young pastors, they, they come up and they, they show this respect. I'm thinking, I know why they're showing it. At the same time, I wish they would just call me by my first name, you know, um, because uh, we're nothing special. And, and uh, you know, God, God operates through them as much as he does through us. And so as they're, they're conversing, this old prophet tells him, you know, I heard about what happened. And he said, why don't you come back and, and eat at my house? Once again, he's confronted with this same issue. And, uh, you know, he, he told him, he says, I, I cannot. He says, I, I, this, the, by the word of the Lord, uh, in, in 1 Kings uh, 13, 16 through 17, he said, I cannot return to you nor go with you. Can't eat any bread nor drink any water in this place. And it says in verse 17, listen to these words. It says, for I have been told by the word of the Lord. Now, this is what we need to underline. You see, when you have been told by the word of the Lord, you better not allow anything to distract you. No one, I don't care who they are. I don't care what their rank in life is. It, their, their power, their prestige does not trump what God is telling you personally. And we need to understand that God still speaks to us. And so when he heard him say all this, he told him, he says, I cannot eat bread nor drink water here. Now, this is where things begin to change course. Because up until this time, this young man had listened to the voice of the Lord. But somehow this old prophet had mesmerized him. And, and in their talk, you know, and, and maybe showing this old uh, prophet the respect that was due him, 
you know, he, he started listening a little bit too close and, and he got, kind of got off track. And after he told him, he said, I can't eat, I can't drink. This old prophet said in verse 18, he said, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, using that same phrase, by the word of the Lord, to bring him back with you to your house that he may eat and drink water. Now, right after that, it says in your Bible and mine, but he was lying. This old prophet was lying to this young man. Now, we don't know what the motive of this old prophet was. But there is emphasis here that we, when we know that God has given us a mission, and, and clearly this young prophet knew that God was with him because he saw the, the acts, he saw the miracles, he saw the power of God manifested. He knew what he was doing was right. But he hesitated. And he listened. He went back to the house of the old prophet. He ate and drank water. And shortly after he departed on his donkey and on his way home, he was killed by a lion. What can we learn from this? Well, never allow the words of a man to influence you more than the words of God himself. What God is telling you is much more important than what comes from this pulpit. However, that, this staying at home and reading your Bible is no, no substitute for being in the house of God. I'm saying your time alone what God shows you will be confirmed here in this place. When you get around the people of God, that's where you get the confirmation. That's where we're able to encourage one another. We need to be true to our faith. If God puts you on a path, let nothing discourage you from it. You know, the test of a person's call and, and what God has, has spoken to you to do, your obedience to his will it's found in the person's determination, endurance, and faith to complete the task. You stay at it. There's something different about people that, that truly follow the call of God. And you don't have to be in full-time ministry in order to follow the call of God. You just need to know that, that, that God is, is, is with you. He's going, to, he's going to lead you. And, uh, you, you know, it could be in decisions that you're making about your job. It could be decisions that you're making concerning your family, their schooling, whatever. There's all kinds of things we need to be learning. We need to be listening to what God is telling us to do. But when we ask the Lord for the spirit of discernment, I want you to know that you will receive it. You will know when you're walking that close to God, you're going to know what is right and, and when, when something is skewed, once when something is a little off. Let me move on. Sometimes God's plan is never seen until the very end. You know, we, sometimes we have, to walk, we have to walk with God a long time before we start to see His plan fall into place. And you know what? That walk is called faith. We just do it because that's what God demands of us. In Acts 20, verses 22 and 23, these are the words of the Apostle Paul. He says, And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. Just because... Things are not perfect. You know, where God calls you, He tells you to do something. Just because things are not perfect does not mean that it's not part of God's plan. Did you hear me? Yeah. I mean, I, I see so many people from time to time. They, they say they heard from God. They start, they stop. They start, they stop. I'm thinking, what are you doing, man? Just, just plow on through. I mean... I used to have a, in, in Africa, I used to have this big Nissan Patrol with an ARB bar in the front. It was all steel, man. It wasn't one of these little sissy, you know, bumper bars that you have here. This thing was meant to move bulls off the road. And I told my kids, let me tell you something. If there's any danger in front of us, and I say get down on that floor, you better get down because we are going through. 
You know what I'm saying? And that's how we have to be in our relationship with God when God tells you to do something. Sometimes when you know, when you know that you know that you know that God says do something, but you see some, you know, some bumps in the road, some speed bumps. They call them speed humps now. I don't know why they changed it. It used to be bumps. So anyway, you know, they, when you see that kind of stuff, let me tell you something. They're just, they're just a distraction. You need to plow right on through. You need to keep pushing through. What God tells you to do is not always going to be accepted by other people, not even by those you thought to be spiritual. There's going to be people around you sometimes that they're the, they're the people that you've held up in great esteem spiritually. And maybe they might not be on board, but if God has truly told you to do something, if He's told you, you know, you go here, you go there, you make this decision, you buy that home, and you have confirmation. I'm not talking about just going on a whim. I'm not talking about making split decisions. I'm talking about waiting before God and knowing and hearing His voice. Then I'm telling you, you need to stick with what God is telling you. Those in our circles who refuse to stand with you in those difficult decisions will one day see that you were strategically placed for a moment such as this. Just like Esther. You know, God places us at times in strategic places located so that He can advance the kingdom of God. And a lot of times, the church and the people around us that are closest, they don't understand when, when it was time years ago, almost 30 years ago, when, when we were getting ready to go to Africa, our kids were small. And people, I remember people asking my wife, you're going to take those kids to Africa? Well, wh where, do you, where do you expect us to leave them? If God's, if God, you know, nobody's going to take my kids. I mean, they're my kids. I got to raise them. You know, what, do you, what kind of a question, really? You're going to take them to Africa? Isn't it kind of dirty? You know, isn't it this? Isn't it that? I mean, isn't there bugs? Isn't there disease? Yeah. And we got a lot of them. But you know what? God protected us. God saw us through. And, God, and He made us stronger for it. So they may not acknowledge everything in your life, what God is telling you to do. But if it involves walking by faith and seeing souls come into the kingdom of God, we need to keep moving with the cloud. We need to keep moving with the presence of God. There was a young man by the name of Jonah. He, uh, he lived, he was, in, he was a European. He lived uh, in a neighboring country from Italy. And uh, he found our church online. He was in the area. He wasn't living in Padova. He was living about an hour outside and attending a conservatory of music. He was an opera singer. And he came to our church and he was coming there for a little while. And he, he finally, he, gave, he got saved he got delivered. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And one day he brought toward the, after about a year or so, he actually brought somebody with him. And I thought, wow, he brought a girl with him. And I didn't know who she was. And it was a couple, couple of weeks went by. She gave her heart to Christ. And uh, he finished out his time at the conservative. I mean, he was faithful. He came to church. He was coming to university ministry. And let me tell you what a sacrifice he made that he loved God this much. He was training, taking a train an hour in and an hour back. He did it twice a week to be in the house of God. You know, a lot of us, a lot of us, the first raindrop, we said, oh, first snowflake. Oh, we can't go anywhere. I mean, really, I, honestly, am I hitting a nerve, Pastor? I mean, I mean, let me tell you something about snowflake. I'm a Florida boy, okay? And God took me in our first place before we went to Africa. We went to northern Quebec. It was the coldest winter in 20 years. They got the most snowfall they had in like 30 years. They don't measure snow in inches like they do here in Cumberland. They measure in meters. We don't have snow plows. We have blowers on the front of these trucks. And they come down your residential street. We didn't climb above, I mean, zero. We did not get above zero. We were in the negatives for three solid months. And during those times, this little girl over here is getting the shivers. Um, my, my little kids, 
my little girl, she was in first grade. My son was in, he was in nursery school. And my, son, my little girl would catch a bus and then make a bus transfer. First grade. First grade, she'd have to be bused outside of our little region to go to an English school. And I remember the first time I followed her. It was, it was almost 30 below outside. And that little trooper, she got, she got on that bus. I followed her all the way to the where the, you know, all the buses were making the transfer. I watched her make it. And I knew that she was safe after that. But I'm telling you, th- those people, they didn't, they didn't let no snow stop them. We didn't see the paved pavement. I mean, you know, salt stops working after about 20 degrees, right? Salt and sand and all that. And... Uh, we didn't see the pavement on our cars. We had to plug our cars in. And then he took us from there to sub-Saharan Africa. Do you know what that does to the body? Do you, have you ever watched Frosty the Snowman? You know, and he got locked up in that little warm compartment, you know, and you're melting. That's what you feel like. But, but Jonah... This man, I mean, he, he knew God had brought him there. He was making this great sacrifice going back and forth. Brought, brought this girl to church. Time came. He graduated with his bachelor's from the conservatory. He came to me and said, Pastor, he said, I have a great opportunity. You know I graduated. It's, it's time for the next step. He said, I got an opportunity to go to, to America. I said, great. Where is it? He said, he said, it's a university you probably have never heard of. I'm thinking of some little, you know, uh, community college or something. And he says, have you ever heard of Yale? <laughs> I said, Yale, the one in New Haven? He said, yeah, Connecticut, that's the one. I said, yeah, I've heard of it. He said, I've got a full ride scholarship to do my master's at the Yale School of Music. And I said, that is phenomenal. He says, what do you think I should do? I looked at him. Now, that's a trick question for a pastor, okay? I said, what is God telling you to do? I said, it doesn't matter what I think. I said, I think it's a good opportunity, but I wouldn't go without praying and getting released from the Lord. He said, okay, I'll do that. A week later, he came back to me. He says, I'm packing up. I'm moving. He went there. He, in fact, he got to Connecticut and everything began to lock down. He was, he, he didn't know anybody. Imagine not knowing anybody around you. He ended up rooming with a Mormon. And he was trapped there over a Thanksgiving. And it's kind of, you know, got Thanksgiving coming up here. He, he called me in the middle of the night. I need you to pray, Pastor. He said, I'm here. He said, I can't go out. I've been to church one time. They only opened church one time, and then they locked everything up again. He said, I met a few people. He said, now I have, uh, you know, for Thanksgiving, I don't know what to do. He said, I have an invitation to stay here at my apartment. Uh, my roommate is going to, she's going to have some people from her church uh, to come over and, uh, and, and have Thanksgiving. And, and I said, and, and her church is? He said, well, Church of Jesus Christ, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And I said, don't stay there. I said, you're young in the Lord. I said, don't stay there. Eight more people, nine. I said, They're gonna, they'll team up on you. I don't care what you got to do. Get out. Do, go, walk the streets. Go grab, you know, find something on the street, you know, for Thanksgiving. I'm sorry this is happening. I said, but we're going to pray. We're going to pray God is going to do something. He's going to work a miracle. You know what? You were in that church one time. I'm praying that someone remembered you and they're going to call you and they're going to invite you to Thanksgiving. You know what? A couple days rolled by, and uh, he called me back. He said, Pastor, you're not going to believe it. He said, God worked a miracle. He said, right after you prayed, he said, I got a call from someone that I'd met in that church. He said, I have a place to go for Thanksgiving. I said, thank God. Thank God. He finished there. He graduated from Yale, came back to his home. And he was well received. In fact, he was given a job immediately in the capital of his, of his country to work with this renowned opera, to sing full-time with this renowned opera. And he, uh, he said, he told me just, it was back in spring, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be debuting in just a couple of weeks. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm excited. He said, but I'm really excited. He said, because you know the girl that he brought to church who got saved? 
they're engaged. And he says, not only am I debuting, but we will sing our first duet for the first time ever. And so they did. They did. I mean, they, they, they sang, and it was incredible, the, the reviews that came in. And I remember, I remember uh, seeing the public interview, reading the public interview, where they were asking him questions. They, and, and they said to Jonah, they said, what, 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 what do you think about all of this? I mean, everything has just really happened so fast for you. And, you know, you've just risen to the top so fast. He says, I give all the glory to my heavenly Father. You know what? They continue to give glory to Jesus Christ. And you know, no, on a regular basis, we have young people coming in, university students. Some, I'm telling you what, I am just plain vanilla, Pastor. I, I am not anything special. I'm not the sharpest tool in the drawer. But we've got people there that are doing their, their undergrads, their graduate work. Some are getting their Ph.D., and uh, God, I think, Lord, why? You sent me from Africa, from Africa, from the villages and preaching crusades. You sent me to the inner city of Athens. Five million people in that city working with street people and refugees. And now you got me, me dealing with and, 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 and speaking into the lives of some of the most intelligent students in all the world. I'm thinking... I don't understand it, but Lord, I'll, I'm going to do what you want done. And, you know, we speak in the lives every single week. You make that possible. You know, I want to conclude by saying this. The answer to the question of whether Paul made an error in judgment is found at the end of his life. And I got to tell you that we don't always get to see the final chapter, our legacy. The good things that people will say about you or I are usually never said while you're still living and breathing. It's going to happen after you've left this life. Every day, every day, we, we battle our fears, our apprehensions, weighing between what people say to us and what God is telling us. However, at the end of the day, we need to be convinced. Each of us need to be convinced that we're listening and following His plan. We're following what God has told us to do. We're being faithful to His will. The actions of Paul were in direct fulfillment to what Jesus said in Matthew 10, verse 18. Jesus said here, He said, On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. The gospel accounts say that Jesus, remember, steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, determined to go against all the pleading and the warning of his own disciples. Could it be that Paul was on that same trajectory course as Jesus? You know, we live in a day today that, that no, nobody, everybody's afraid to step out in faith. But you know what? When we begin to step out in faith, and sometimes it's, it's, it's uncomfortable. When we do that, God is always going to bless us. That's when he does his best work, is when we walk in faith. The gospel accounts say that, you know, th that Paul was arrested, he was beaten, he was sent to Rome to stand trial. Eventually, he did stand before governors and greats. He stood before Felix, Festus, them alone at each time. And later, he stood before Festus and King Agrippa together, all in direct fulfillment of the words of Jesus. We all know that it was from the prison experience that Paul himself wrote some of the finest letters, the prison epistles, to the Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, and others. All in our evidence of the saving grace of God, which takes what seems to be man's mistakes and uses them for blessing and to advance the kingdom of God. You know what? Everything happening in this world should cause us to look a little bit deeper at our own convictions. I know I want to know what God is saying. I want to know every day. I want to know what God is saying to me. I, want to, I really want to know what he's saying to, to my entire family. I, but I can't choose. I can't make decisions for my family. But I, I am responsible for what he's saying to me. The question is this, 
What is God instructing you to do? What is He telling you to do? And sometimes it's simply just go and speak to your neighbor. Go over there, ask them, is there anything I can pray with you about? You know, some of the simplest of things. We can see God just do miracles. We can see Him do the unthinkable. You know, it may be just saying something to someone in a restaurant. I was, I was in a Cracker Barrel last week, and a, and a young man, he was with his kid, and he just came up to me. He said, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. I got to tell you, I almost cried. I mean, you just don't see that today. And I said, thank you. I know. And uh, I said, I appreciate you telling me that. I appreciate you taking that step and, 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 and reaching out and saying that. I said, I need that. And uh, then his pastor walked up, and I knew his pastor. <laughs> but, but <laughs> and then he found out who I was. But, but I just, I appreciate the fact that someone will step out of their comfort zone and take a risk for God. Because that's what the Apostle Paul here was doing. We need to follow our convictions, our passions, and, and follow what God is speaking in our hearts. Don't ever allow yourself to be sidetracked by the voice of human influence or reason. At the end of the race, I would that every one of us could say along with the late great missionary, William Borden, to China, he said when it was all done, he said, these were the words he said. He said, I have no reserves. I've given it all. He says, I have, I have no retreats. I've never run. He says, I have no regrets. You know what? That's what my wife and I, we want that to be on our epitaph. We want that to be the theme of our lives. And I know that that's what you want for your life. Would you bow your head? I believe that this morning that God is speaking to some. I believe He's speaking to you. There's areas, there's things that God is speaking to you about doing, and you've been apprehensive. But if what I have said to any of you this morning comes as a confirmation of what God has already been doing in your life, then you need to act. You need to surrender. You need to give in to the Spirit's leading and just say, Lord, just like the prophet Isaiah, Lord, here am I. Send me. Use me. You see, I believe that God could call people right out of this church to the uttermost parts of the world. I believe that God can call you he can call you across town. But you know what? I believe that we need to be willing to surrender to go wherever God calls us to go. And I got to tell you, I, I like home. Now, I, I, I really like being at home until the, the lockdowns. And now not so much. But I got I to tell you that I look back on our, where God has sent us, and, and it's been absolutely incredible what He's allowed us to do and the lives that He's allowed us to invest in. And I believe that God wants to use you as well to make a difference. And so under the sound of my voice this morning, if you're here this morning and, and you, you know that God's speaking to you, I want you to just stand up right now because I believe that God is in this place. Just be man, me, woman enough to stand to your feet right now. In Jesus' name, stand to your feet. I see you. Even if it's a little bit dark for me, but I can see you. I see you. Stand up. That's just a, just a sign of, of, of surrender to God. I believe that there are young people here that God wants to do even more, exceedingly abundantly, above all that you can even imagine. I believe that God wants to do it this morning. He wants to raise up a new generation. He wants, to, he wants to use you to take the gospel into the four corners of the world. You know what, Cumberland? Cumberland's had it shot, folks, okay? We got churches on every corner. I mean, America has churches on every corner. We need the gospel 
to go around the world. We need people that will take up the mantle and take our place. Because we, we don't know how many more years we got. We're going to keep running this race until the end. But we're looking for people that will stand up and say, God's called me. I'm not going to let anything hold me back. I'm not going to allow any voices, any kind of you know, people that are close to me to try and distract me. And I know that as I step forth in faith, that God is going to make the way plain. He's going to make it clear. He's going to provide. I believe there's still some more who want to join these. Here's the next thing I want you to do. I want you to take the next step. I want you to come forward. I want you to step out into the aisle. I want you to come forward into these altars. Would you do that right now? Would you just step out? There's a bunch of you. Just come on out. Come on out. Come on up. I remember when I was a kid, I had an evangelist that went back and got me. You, I won't do that. But I want you to come forward. Because I, I believe that right up here, you're going to find the answers of what God wants to tell you. What God is saying to you. I mean, the Holy Spirit right up here. I mean, there, there's not a better place to be. We used to say, get a... Get under the spout where the glory comes out. We need to get up close to God in His presence. If you're still out there and you want to join these, come forward. Just step out. Pastor, just come on around them. I want some of the leaders in the church, if you would just kind of step behind, move around this place. We're going to pray. I want you to put your hands up, those of you that are in this altar. Just raise your hands to the Lord in total and complete surrender. Now think about it before you do that. Realize what you're saying. You know, years ago, I used to pray in an altar and I used to sing the song, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do. Never really understanding the impact of those words. Total, complete surrender. It, once it comes out of your mouth, you need to be ready to do it because God is going to open up to you great opportunities. Right now, just begin to pour out yourself to the Lord. Begin to pour out yourself to the Lord. Go ahead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God. Hallelujah. Father, we surrender. We surrender to you, Lord. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Move mightily, Jesus. Move mightily. God, we come against every distraction. We come, every, we come against everything that would, would try to raise up uh, against your will, your plan. Oh, Jesus, I pray that you would drive out the false voices, the false prophets. Oh, God, we pray, we pray Lord, that you would allow them to see from your word as they spend time with you. Lord, your hand in, on their life, your presence in them. I pray, God, that they would begin to see great and mighty signs. Signs, miracles, wonders come forth in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You know, there's people that take journey with you and have these places and moments in the, in the time of your life. Uh, we have those together, uh, Pat, Brendan, and I. And, uh, you know, thinking about times at uh, Southeastern and seeking God with all our heart. And I said something to Pat the other day that God spoke to my heart over this past season of my life and some of the challenges I've been through. 
And one of the things that I know that God has spoken to me, and I, I know he's speaking the same thing to them and speaking the same thing to you. In the moments of your life that God orchestrates, regardless of the circumstance you find yourself in, in those moments when he asks you for a yes and, and you say yes from the bottom of your heart, not even knowing what yes means, the Lord never forgets that yes. He never forgets it. And if you have a yes heart with Jesus, he will, he will watch over your life. He will grace your life. He will make a way where there is no way. He will make ways when you've messed up the way. Because he counts it sacred when he knows in your heart rhythm, in moments when you all you had was a choice of yes or no to him, and you said yes. He marks it forevermore. There are people saying yes today, and you don't even know what you're saying yes to. You just are a person that, that, that you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and you just want to please God's heart. And he sees it, and he knows it. Some of you will wait for a while on this yes. Some of you will find doorways begin to open, and steps begin to, uh, to be uh, manifest before you. And in those steps, the security of your life will not be to your right or to your left. It will be the hand of the Lord on your life. The doors that are opening for Pat and Brenda, I've watched this for years. It, 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 it's amazing. The time in Athens and what took place there, as, as he so clearly shared. And then hearing today talking about being strategically placed in a city with so many uh, students from all over the world, right there. That seems to be what the rhythm of what's going on in your life right now. And then hearing my brother share, uh, uh, speaking of what he deems to be his own inadequacies in such, a, in such an environment, he's just, they're just the right people. They're just the right people, absolutely. I want us, and listen, I know, I, I imagine uh, their son Marco and his wife will be watching, and their daughter Marissa and her husband will be watching. And I was thinking about the, the parents. I was thinking about the decisions they made, the Quebec story, the Africa journey, and these, these little tots. And imagine that. And I have grandkids now. I just think, imagine that. But listen, those, those kids grew up to be strategically placed in nations of the world to, to carry the, the, into this next generation because mom and dad said yes to God in very narrow situations that could have been, I can't imagine when God takes you way out over your skis, man, and you just go, you go with it. God blesses. Listen to that. There's a transgenerational shifting going on all over the world right now, and God is looking, as Pat said, for your generation and younger. He's going to whisper to you, and he's doing it now. He may not tell you what, but he just wants to know if you, if you have a yes heart. Do you have a yes heart? Yes. It separates the men from the boys. It, said, it separates the talkers from the walkers. The yes heart. And God will bless you for it. I want you to lean all in, LOH family. And I want you, from the depth of your heart, to lay your spiritual hand upon my brother and his wife and their family, their calling, their ministry. Nobody on earth knows what's coming in the next weeks, let alone months, around the world. Nobody, except God himself. The times are a-changing, and we don't know how they're changing. But God will meet every challenge. God and his people will be placed exactly where he intends them to be for such a time as this and the times that are coming. Would you stretch your heart and your faith toward my brother and my sister, Pat and Brenda and their family? And... In this city, in this calling, Heavenly Father, we thank you for men and women of God 
and the heritage that was given to them before they started to take these steps of faith a long time ago. We pray as part of this partnership, as brothers and sisters in this harvest, as a church that says yes to you, not only for us, but for the ministry you've called this wonderful couple to. May you bless them beyond their wildest imagination. May insight and information from the very throne of God be imparted to them. May they have favor, favor, and protection. God, may you open doors that will astound them, and may they have faith to believe what you are saying to them in spite of anything they see, anything that doesn't happen immediately. May they have a faith that's a tenacious faith as described in the life of the Apostle Paul that I know rests in both of these servants of God right now. I know it's in them. Lord, we're believing you to touch nations of the world, leaders of the next generation who are led providentially to this church and to this couple and to the ministry that you've called them to. Many souls, we pray, would come into the kingdom and nations would be affected for the great King of all kings. May everything they need be provided for them. Give them health and strength and bless the union of their bond together with great joy in the harvests that are to come. And what they ask for as they step forward, great care upon their kids and their grandkids and what they treasure in their heart. Bless and may angelic provision and protection be their inheritance. We thank you for sending them our way. We thank you for our friendship we have together, for the anointings of God we share. And we want to lift up praise to you, Lord, for putting us in this world and giving us this opportunity here, there, and everywhere for this time in which we live. We give you all of our lives. We give this church to you. We give you our yes. And we thank you for what is and what is to come in Jesus' name. And everybody, everybody said amen. Can you give God a tremendous applause and shout? of thanksgiving and praise. Hey, this is Pastor Dustin, and thanks for listening. If you live in the Western Maryland area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services or weekday gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environment, please visit myloh.church.